Act Two of Belinda, an April Folly in Three Acts by A. A. Milne. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. It is morning in Belinda's Hall, a low-roofed, oak-beamed place, comfortably furnished as a sitting-room. There is an inner and an outer front door, both of which are open. Up center is a door leading to a small room where hats and coats are kept. A door on the left leads towards the living rooms. Devonish enters from up left at back, passes the windows of the inner room, and crosses to the porch. He rings the electric bell outside, then enters through the swing doors, right center. Betty enters right and moves up at back of settee right to Devonish by the swing doors. He is carrying a large bunch of violets and adopts a very aesthetic attitude. Good morning, sir. Good morning. I am afraid this is an unceremonious hour for a call, but my sense of beauty urged me hither in defiance of convention. Yes, sir. Devonish holding up his bouquet to Betty. See, the dew is yet lingering upon them. How could I let them wait until this afternoon? Yes, sir, but I think the mistress is out. They are not for your mistress. They are for Miss Delia. Oh, I beg your pardon, sir. If you will come in, I'll see if I can find her. She crosses to the door right and goes away to find Delia, closing the door after her. Devonish tries a number of poses about the room for himself and his bouquet. He crosses below the table center and sits left of it, and is about to place his elbow on the table when he finds the toy dog which has been placed there is in his way he removes it to the centre of the table and then leans with his elbow on the table and finds this pose unsuitable so he crosses to above the fireplace and leans against its upper portico resting on his elbow which slips and nearly prostrates him he then crosses up to left of the cupboard door at back centre and leans on his elbow against the wall. Enter Delia from the door right. Delia shutting the door and going to Devonish. Oh, good morning, Mr. Devonish. Devonish kisses her hand. I'm afraid my uh, aunt is out. I know, Miss Delia, I know. She'll be so sorry to have missed you. It is her day for you, isn't it? Her day for me? Yes. Mr. Baxter generally comes tomorrow, doesn't he? Devonish jealously. Miss Delia, if our friendship is to progress at all, it can only be on the distinct understanding that I take no interest whatever. Coming to back of table center. In Mr. Baxter's movements. Delia moving down right a little. Oh, I'm so sorry. I thought you knew. What lovely flowers. Are they for my aunt? To whom does one bring violets? To modest, shrinking, tender youth. I don't think we have anybody here like that. Devonish with a bow and holding out the violets to her. Miss Delia, they are for you. Delia smelling and taking violets. Oh, how nice of you. But I'm afraid I oughtn't to take them from you under false pretenses. I don't shrink. A fanciful way of putting it, perhaps. They are none the less for you. Well, it's awfully kind of you puts flowers down then she moves up to the cupboard he follows her left and opens the door i'm afraid i'm not a very romantic person 
turning to him in cupboard doorway aunt belinda does all the romancing in our family your aunt is a very remarkable woman she is don't you dare to say a word against her takes up a vase from a chair in cupboard and shakes it as if draining it my dear miss delia nothing could be further from my thoughts why am i not indebted to her for that great happiness which has come to me in these last few days delia surprised good gracious and i didn't know anything about it coming down to right of table with face but what about poor mr baxter devinish stiffly crossing over to the fireplace very annoyed i must beg that mr baxter's name be kept out of our conversation delia going up to the table behind chesterfield up left but i thought mr baxter and you were such friends delia takes water carafe from the table and smiles at devinish which he does not see do tell me what's happened moving down to right of table centre she sits and arranges the flowers i seem to have lost myself devinish coming to back of centre table and reclining on it what has happened miss delia is that i have learnt at last the secret that my heart has been striving to tell me for weeks past as soon as i saw that gracious lady your aunt i knew that i was in love foolishly i took it for granted that it was she for whom my heart was thrilling how mistaken i was directly you came you opened my eyes and now mr devinish you don't say you're proposing to me i am i feel sure i am leaning towards her delia i love you how exciting of you devinish with modest shrug it's nothing i am a poet you really want to marry me such is my earnest wish but what about my aunt devinish simply she will be my aunt-in-law she'll be rather surprised delia i will be frank with you sits i admit that i made mrs tremaine an offer of marriage delia excitedly you really did was it that first afternoon i came yes oh i wish i'd been there devinish with dignity rising and moving to left of table it is not my custom to propose in the presence of a third party it is true that on the occasion you mention a man called baxter was on the lawn but i regarded him with no more than the old apple tree or the flower beds or any other of the fixtures what did she say she accepted me conditionally oh do tell me it is rather an unhappy story this man called baxter in his vulgar way also made a proposal of marriage mrs tremaine was gracious enough to imply that she would marry whichever of us fulfilled a certain condition how sweet of her it is my earnest hope miss delia that the man called baxter will be the victor as far as is consistent with honor i shall endeavor to let mr baxter banging the table with his hand win what was the condition that i am not at liberty to tell oh it is i understand to be a surprise for you how exciting rising and taking a vase of violets which she places upright mr devinish you have been very frank coming to front of settee right and sitting may i be equally so devinish crosses to her and bows in acquiescence 
Why do you wear your hair so long? Devinish pleased. You have noticed it? Well, yes, I have. I wear it so to express my contempt for the conventions of so-called society. I always thought that people wore it very, very short if they despised the conventions of society. I think that the mere fact that my hair annoys Mr. Baxter is sufficient justification for its length. But if it annoys me too? Devonish heroically. It shall go. Sits on settee above Delia. Belinda enters from up left with a garden basket supposed to contain cutlets. She crosses the windows at back. Delia apologetically. I told you I wasn't a very romantic person, didn't I? Kindly. You can always grow it again if you fall in love with somebody else. That is cruel of you, Delia. I shall never fall in love again. Enter Belinda through swing doors back center. Why, it's Mr. Devonish. Devonish rises and kisses her hand somewhat sheepishly. How nice of you to come so early in the morning. How is Mr. Baxter? Devonish annoyed and crossing behind Belinda to her left. I do not know, Mrs. Tremaine. Belinda coming down to Delia and sitting in the place vacated by Devonish. I got most of the things, Delia. To Devonish. The things, Mr. Devonish, is my rather stuffy way of referring to all the delightful poems that you are going to eat tonight. I am looking forward to it immensely, Mrs. Tremaine. I do hope I've got all your and Mr. Baxter's favorite dishes. Devonish, annoyed, and moving to left foot of table, center. I'm afraid Mr. Baxter and I are not likely to appreciate the same things. Belinda, coyly. Oh, Mr. Devonish, and you were so unanimous a few days ago. I think Mr. Devonish was referring entirely to things to eat. I felt quite sad when I was buying the lamb cutlets, to think that, only a few days before, they had been frisking about with their mammas and having poems written about them by Mr. Devonish. There, I'm giving away the whole dinner. Delia, take him away before I tell him any more. Delia rises, goes to the table, and picks up water carafe, which she replaces on refectory table, up left. We must keep some surprises for him. Delia to Devonish as she crosses back to table right and picks up the flowers. Come along, Mr. Devonish. Belinda, wickedly. Are those my flowers, Mr. Devonish? Devonish advancing to Belinda, and laughing awkwardly after a little hesitation, with a bow which might refer to either of them. They are for the most beautiful lady in the land. Oh, how nice of you. Devonish crosses to door right and opens it for Delia, who follows him and exits. Devonish, standing above door, catches Belinda's eye, and with an awkward laugh follows Delia. I suppose he means Delia. Bless them. She kisses her hand towards the door right. She then rises and crosses below the table center, placing her basket on the left end of it to the fireplace. She rings the bell, then she moves up on the right side of the Chesterfield to the refectory table and takes off her hat. She takes up a mirror from the table and gives a few pats to her hair, and as she is doing so, Betty enters from door right and crosses the room towards center. Belinda pointing to basket on the center table. Oh, Betty! Betty moves back of center table and takes up the basket. 
crosses above settee and exits through door right belinda is moving towards the swing doors when she catches sight of baxter entering from the garden upright she moves quickly to the left of center table takes up a book and going to chesterfield left lies down with her head to right baxter looks in through the window upright then crosses round and enters through the portico and swing doors belinda pretends to be very busy reading baxter rather nervously in front of swing doors uh, may i come in mrs tremaine belinda dropping her book and turning round with a violent start oh mr baxter how you surprised me she puts her hand to her heart and sits up and faces him i must apologize for intruding upon you this hour mrs tremaine belinda holding up her hand stop baxter startled what i cannot let you come in like that baxter looking down at himself like what belinda dropping her eyes you called me belinda once baxter coming down to her may i explain my position mrs tremaine before you begin have you been seeing my niece lately baxter surprised no oh sweetly please go on why is she lost too oh no i just do sit down baxter moves to the chair left of center table and sits belinda rises when he has sat down let me put your hat down somewhere for you baxter keeping it firmly in his hand it will be all right here thank you belinda returning to the chesterfield and sitting i'm dying to hear what you are going to say first as regards the use of your christian name i felt that as a man of honor i could not permit myself to use it until i had established my right over that of mr devonish all my friends call me belinda as between myself and mr devonish the case is somewhat different until one of us is successful over the other in the quest upon which you have sent us i feel that as far as possible we should hold aloof from you belinda pleadingly just say belinda once more in case you're a long time baxter very formally belinda how nicely you say it harold baxter getting out of his seat mrs tremaine i must not listen to this belinda meekly i won't offend again mr baxter please go on she motions him to sit he does so tell me about the quest are you winning i am progressing mrs tremaine indeed i came here this morning to acquaint you with the results of my investigations it clears his throat <clears throat> yesterday i located a man called robinson working upon a farm close by i ventured to ask him if he had any marks upon him by which he could be recognized he adopted a threatening attitude and replied that if i wanted any he could give me some with the aid of half a crown i managed to placate him putting my inquiry in another form i asked if he had any moles a regrettable misunderstanding which led to a fruitless journey to another part of the village was eventually cleared up and on my return i satisfied myself that this man was in no way related to your niece belinda admiringly how splendid of you yes well now we know he's not she holds up one finger yes in the afternoon i located another mr robinson following the profession of a carrier 
My first inquiries led to a similar result, with the exception that in this case Mr. Robinson carried his threatening attitude so far as to take off his coat and roll up his sleeves. Perceiving at once that he was not the man, I withdrew. How brave you are! Yes. That makes two. Yes. Belinda holding up another finger. It still leaves a good many. Pleadingly. Just call me Belinda again. Baxter rising and backing to write a little nervously. You mustn't tempt me, Mrs. Tremaine. Belinda penitently. I won't. Baxter going slowly to fireplace and placing his hat down on armchair below fireplace. To resume, then, my narrative. This morning I have heard of a third Mr. Robinson. Whether there is actually any particular fortune attached to the number three, I cannot say for certain. It is doubtful whether statistics would be found to support the popular belief. But one likes to flatter oneself that in one's own case it may be true, and so... And so, the third Mr. Robinson? Something for which I cannot altogether account inspires me with hope. He is, I have discovered, staying at Meryton. This afternoon I go to look for him. Belinda to herself. Meryton? How funny! I wonder if it's the same one. What one? Oh, just one of the ones. Gratefully. Mr. Baxter, you are doing all this for me. Pray do not mention it. I don't know if it's Devonshire. Going to and sitting left of Belinda. Or the time of the year or the sort of atmosphere you create, Mrs. Tremaine. But I feel an entirely different man. There is something in the air which, yes, I shall certainly go over to Meryton this afternoon. Belinda, gravely. I have had the same feeling sometimes, Mr. Baxter. I am not always the staid, respectable matron which I appear to you to be. Sometimes I... She looks absently at the watch on her wrist. Good gracious! Baxter alarmed. What is it? Belinda looking anxiously from the door to him. Mr. Baxter, I'm going to throw myself on your mercy. My dear Mrs. Tremaine. Belinda looking at her watch again, rising and moving up left center, looking at door. A strange man will be here directly. He must not find you with me. Baxter rising jealously. A man? Belinda excitedly. Yes, yes, a man. He is pursuing me with his attentions. If he found you here, there would be a terrible scene. I will defend you from him. Belinda crossing down to right of Chesterfield. No, no, he is a big man. He will, he will overpower you. Moving left a little and looking out of windows. But you... I can defend myself. I will send him away. But he must not find you here. You must hide before he overpowers you. Baxter with dignity crossing below table to right. I will withdraw if you wish it. Belinda following to right at back of table center. No, not withdraw. Hide. He might see you withdrawing. Leading the way to the cupboard door. Quick, in here. Baxter, embarrassed at the thought that this sort of thing really only happens in a bedroom farce and moving towards her. I don't think I quite... Belinda reassuring him. It's perfectly respectable. It's where we keep the umbrellas. She takes him by the hand. Baxter resisting and looking nervously into the cupboard. 
I'm not at all sure that I... Belinda earnestly. Oh, but don't you see what trust I'm putting in you? To herself. Some people are so nervous about their umbrellas. Well, of course, if you... But I don't see why I shouldn't just slip out of the door before he comes. Belinda reproachfully. Of course, if you grudge me every little pleasure. Crossing in front of Baxter towards swing doors and seeing Tremaine coming. Quick, here he is. She bundles him through the cupboard door and closes it, and with a sign of happiness, crosses down to center table. She sees Baxter's bowler hat on the armchair below the fireplace. She fetches and carries it over to the cupboard door, knocks and hands it to him, saying, Your hat! Baxter expostulating and nearly knocking her over as he comes out. Well, really, I... Belinda bundling him into the cupboard and closing the door. Hush! Belinda straightens her hair, takes up her book from left of center table, and sits stroking the head of the toy dog and pretending to read. Tremaine enters from the garden upright and through the swing doors upright center. Belinda gives an assumed cry of surprise. Oh! Tremaine at the swing doors. It's no good your pretending to be surprised, because you said I could come. Coming down to back of the table center and putting down his hat. Belinda rising, shaking hands and welcoming him. But I can still be surprised that you wanted to come. Oh, no, you aren't. Belinda marking it off on her fingers. Just a little bit, that much. It would be much more surprising if I hadn't come. Belinda crossing to the Chesterfield, picking up her book and handing it to Tremaine, who puts it on the table. It is a pretty garden, isn't it? She sits on the right end of Chesterfield. Tremaine coming to her. You forgot that I saw the garden yesterday. Oh, but the things have grown so much since then. Let me see. This is the third day you've been, and we've only met three days ago. He moves behind the Chesterfield to the left end of it. And then you're coming to dinner again tonight. Tremaine eagerly and leaning over the Chesterfield. Am I? Yes. Haven't you been asked? Tremaine going round the left end of the Chesterfield. No, not a word. Yes, that's quite right. I remember now. I only thought of it this morning, so I couldn't ask you before, could I? Tremaine earnestly. What made you think of it, then? Belinda romantically. It was at the butcher's. Eh? There was one little lamb cutlet left over and sitting out all by itself, and there was nobody to love it, and I said to myself suddenly, I know, that will do for Mr. Robinson. Prosaically. I do hope you like lamb. Tremaine sitting on her left side. I adore it. Oh, I'm so glad. When I saw it sitting there, I thought you'd love it. I'm afraid I can't tell you any more about the rest of the dinner, because I wouldn't tell Mr. Devonish, and I want to be fair. Tremaine jealously. Who's Mr. Devonish? Oh, haven't you met him? He's always coming here. Is he in love with you, too? Too? Oh, you mean Mr. Baxter? Tremaine rising and moving to fireplace. Confound it, that's three. Belinda innocently. Three? She looks up at him and down again. Who is Mr. Baxter? Oh, haven't you met him? He's always coming here. 
Tremaine turning away and looking into fireplace. Who is Mr. Baxter? Baxter appears at cupboard doorway. Belinda hears him and gives a startled look round. She signs to him to go back. Baxter retreats immediately and closes door. Oh, he's a sort of statistician. Isn't that a horrid word to say? So stitiony. What does he make statistics about? Oh, giving a sly look round at a cupboard door. Umbrellas and things. Don't let's talk about him. All right, then. Going up to her jealously. Who's Mr. Devonish? Oh, he's a poet. She throws up her eyes and sighs deeply. Ah, oh, me. What does he write poetry about? Belinda looks at him and down again, and then at him again, and then down, then raises and drops her arms and gives a little sigh, all of which means, can't you guess? What does he write poetry about? Belinda obediently. He wrote The Lute of Love and other poems by Claude Devonish. Tremaine is annoyed and turns away to the fireplace. The Lute of Love. To herself. I haven't been saying that lately. With great expression. The Lute of Love. The Lute. She pats her mouth back. And who is Mr. Devonish? Belinda putting her hand on his sleeve. You'll let me know when it's my turn, won't you? Your turn? Yes, to ask questions. I love this game. It's just like clumps. She crosses her hands on her lap and waits for the next question. I beg your pardon. I, of course, I have no right to cross-examine you like this. Oh, do go on. I love it with childish excitement i've got my question ready tremaine smiling and going and sitting beside her again i think perhaps it is your turn belinda eagerly is it really he nods well then in a loud voice who is mr robinson tremaine alarmed what I think it's a fair question. I met you three days ago, and you told me you were staying at Meryton. Meryton. You can say it all right now, can't you? I think so. Belinda coaxingly. Just say it. Meryton. Belinda clapping her hands. Lovely. I don't think any of the villagers do it as well as that. Well? Belinda looking very hard at Tremaine. He wonders whether she has discovered his identity. Well, that was three days ago. You came the next day to see the garden, and you came the day after to see the garden, and you've come this morning to see the garden, and you're coming to dinner tonight, and it's so lovely we shall simply have to go into the garden afterwards. And all I know about you is that you haven't any relations called Robinson. What do I know about Mrs. Tremaine but that she has a relation called Robinson? And two dear friends called Devonish and Baxter. Tremaine rising annoyed. I was forgetting them. Crosses to below left end of center table. Belinda to herself with a sly look round at the cupboard. I mustn't forget Mr. Baxter. But what does it matter? What would it matter if I knew nothing about you? moving up to right end of Chesterfield and leaning over it. I know everything about you. 
everything that matters belinda leaning back and closing her eyes contentedly tell me some of them domain lending over her earnestly belinda belinda still with her eyes shut he's going to propose to me i can feel it coming domain starting back confound it how many men have proposed to you belinda surprised since when since your first husband proposed to you oh i thought you meant this year sitting up well now let me see slowly and thoughtfully one she pushes up her first finger two she pushes up the second three she pushes up the third finger holds it there for a moment and then pushes it gently down again no i don't think that one ought to count really she pushes up two more fingers and the thumb three four five do you want the names or just the total tremaine moving up left and then over right this is horrible belinda innocently but anybody can propose now if you'd asked how many i'd accepted he turned sharply to her annoyed let me see where was i up to he moves down right i shan't count yours because i haven't really had it yet betty enters down right and stands behind settee six seven yes betty what is it if you please ma'am cook would like to speak to you for a minute tremaine goes up right centre belinda getting up yes i'll come betty goes out leaving the door open belinda crosses before the table to tremaine you'll forgive me won't you you'll find some cigarettes there points to the table upright tremaine moves by the back of the settee and holds the door for belinda she turns to him in the doorway it's probably about the lamb cutlets i expect your little one refuses to be cooked she goes out after betty left alone tremaine stalks moodily about the room crossing it and kicking things which come in his way violently he kicks a hassock which is above the table right to under the table centre then he takes up his hat and moves towards the swing doors and half opens them he pauses and considers then he comes down to the centre table throws down his hat moves round the left end of the table finds the dog in the way and then sits on the table with his hands in his pockets facing the audience as he has been moving about the room he has muttered the names of baxter and devonish devonish entering from the door right which he closes and goes to foot of settee right surprised hello a pause tremaine jealously and rising are you mr devonish yes devonish the poet devonish coming up and shaking him warmly by the hand my dear fellow you know my work tremaine grimly my dear mr devonish your name is most familiar to me i congratulate you i thought your great-grandchildren would be the first to hear of me tremaine moving to left my name's robinson by the way devonish connecting him with delia then let me return the compliment robinson your name is familiar to me tremaine hastily and going towards devonish 
I don't think I'm related to any Robinsons you know. Devonish dubiously. Well, no, I suppose not. When I was very much younger, I began a collection of Robinsons. Actually, it was only three days ago, but it seems much longer. Thinking of Delia. Many things have happened since then. Tremaine uninterested, moving left. Really? There is a man called Baxter. Tremaine displays his jealousy of Baxter. Who is still collecting, I believe. For myself, I am only interested in one of the great family, Delia. Tremaine eagerly, and going quickly to him, and placing his hand on Devonish's left shoulder. You are interested in her? Devotedly. In fact, I am at this moment waiting for her to put on her hat. Tremaine warmly banging him on the shoulder with both hands. My dear Devonish, I am delighted to make your acquaintance. He seizes his hand and grips it heartily. How are you? Devonish backs to the settee in pain. Devonish sitting on settee, feeling his fingers. Fairly well, thanks. Tremaine sitting above him and banging him on the back. That's right. Devonish still nursing his hand. You are a very lucky fellow, Robinson. In what way? People you meet must be so very reluctant to say goodbye to you. Have you ever tried strangling lions or anything like that? Tremaine with a laugh. <laughs> well, as a matter of fact, I have. I suppose you won all right? In the end, with the help of my beater. Personally, I should have backed you alone against any two ordinary lions. One was quite enough. As it was, he gave me something to remember him by. Putting up his left sleeve, he displays a deep scar. Devonish looking at it casually. By Jove, that's a nasty one. He suddenly catches sight of the mole and stares at it fascinated, then stares up at Tremaine. Good heavens! What's the matter? Devonish clasping his head. Wait. Rising and moving up to left of Tremaine. Let me think. After a pause. Have you ever met a man called Baxter? No. Would you like to? Tremaine, grimly. Very much indeed. He's the man I told you about who's interested in Robinson's. He'll be delighted to meet you. With a nervous laugh. Funny thing, he's rather an authority on lions. You must show him that scar of yours. It will intrigue him immensely. Earnestly. Don't shake hands with him too heartily just at first. It might put him off the whole thing. This Mr. Baxter seems to be a curious man. Devonish absently. Yes, he is rather odd. Looking at his watch. I wonder if I... To Tremaine. I suppose you won't be... He stops suddenly. A slight tapping noise comes from the room where they keep umbrellas. What's that? The tapping noise is repeated, a little more loudly this time. Devonish moves to end of table. Come in. The door opens and Baxter comes in nervously, holding his bowler hat in his hand. He moves towards the swing doors. Baxter, apologetically... Oh, I just... Tremaine stands up. I just... He goes back again. Devonish springing across the room. Baxter! The door opens nervously again, and Baxter's head appears round it. 
Come in, Baxter, old man. You're just the very person I wanted. Baxter comes in carefully. Devonish closes the door. Good man. To Tremaine, taking Baxter downright and placing his arm around his shoulders. This is Mr. Baxter that I was telling you about. Baxter removes Devonish's arm from his shoulders. Tremaine moving up to Baxter and much relieved at the appearance of his rival. Oh, is this Mr. Baxter? Holding out his hand with great friendliness. How are you, Mr. Baxter? Devonish warningly. Steady. Tremaine shakes Baxter quite gently by the hand. Baxter, this is Mr. Robinson. Casually. R-O-B-I-N-S-O-N. He looks sideways at Baxter to see how he takes it. Baxter is noticeably impressed. Really? I am very glad to meet you, sir. Very good of you to say so. Devonish to Baxter taking his arm. Baxter is annoyed and gets free. Robinson is a great big-game hunter. Baxter moving down to Tremaine. Indeed. I have never done anything in that way myself, but I'm sure it must be an absorbing pursuit. Oh, well, it's something to do. Devonish to Baxter. You must get him to tell you about a wrestle he had with a lion once. Extraordinary story! Looking at his watch suddenly. Jove! I must be off. See you again, Baxter. He bangs Baxter on the shoulder and moves down to Tremaine. Goodbye, Robinson. No, don't shake hands. I'm in a hurry. He looks at his watch again and goes out hurriedly by the door on the right. Tremaine sits on settee right and Baxter on chair right of center table. He puts his hat on the table. Unusual man, your friend Devonish. I suppose it comes of being a poet. I have no great liking for Mr. Devonish. Oh, he's all right. But I am sure that if he is impressed by anything outside himself or his own works, it must be something rather remarkable. Pray tell me of your adventure with the lion. Tremaine laughing. <laughs> really, you mustn't think that I go about telling everybody my adventures. It just happened to come up. I'm afraid I shook his hand rather more warmly than I meant, and he asked me if I'd ever tried strangling lions. That was all. And had you? Well, it just happened that I had. Indeed. You came off scathless, I trust. Tremaine carelessly indicating his arm. Well, he got me one across here. Baxter rising and coming to above Tremaine, obviously excited. Really? Really? Points to his arm. One across there. Not bad, I hope. Tremaine laughing. <laughs> well, it doesn't show unless I do that. He pulls up his sleeve carelessly, and Baxter bends eagerly over his arm and sees the mole, and very slowly looks up at Tremaine, then down at the arm again, then up at Tremaine. Good heavens! I've found it! He runs over to the table and picks up his hat. Found what? He pulls down his sleeve. Baxter going up left. I must see Mrs. Tremaine. Where's Mrs. Tremaine? She went out just now. What's the matter? Out. I must find her. This is a matter of life and death. He hurries through the swing doors. Mrs. Tremaine! Mrs. Tremaine? He exits right through the garden. Tremaine rises and moves to the swing doors, stares after him in amazement. Then he pulls up his sleeve, looks at his car again, 
and shakes his head while he is still puzzling over it belinda comes back right belinda crossing below settee such a to-do in the kitchen the cook's given notice at least she will directly up to tremaine and your lamb cutlet slipped back to the shop when nobody was looking tremaine looks off at swing doors and i've got to go into the village again going to the refectory table and getting her hat and oh dear oh dear i have such a lot of things to do looking across at mr baxter's door oh yes that's another one coming back to table centre and putting down her hat on right side belinda moving up to her no not even belinda wait until this evening i have a thousand things to say to you i shall say them this evening belinda giving him her hand begin about eight o'clock good-bye till then he takes her hand looks at her for a moment then suddenly bends and kisses it takes up his hat and hurries through the swing doors and off through the garden to left belinda stands looking from her hand to him gives a little wondering exclamation and then presses the back of her hand against her cheek and goes to the swing doors she turns back and remembers mr baxter again with a smile she goes to the door and taps gently mr baxter mr baxter you may come in now he has withdrawn moves down a little and then back to left of the door again mr baxter i have unhanded him she opens the door and going in finds the room empty oh baxter comes quickly through the swing doors baxter meeting belinda coming out of the cupboard ah they both start there you are crossing down to right end of centre table he puts down his hat belinda turning with a start oh how you frightened me mr baxter i couldn't think what had happened to you she closes the door i thought perhaps you'd been eaten up by one of the umbrellas mrs tremaine i have some wonderful news for you i have found miss robinson's father belinda on his left hardly understanding miss robinson's father yes mr robinson oh you mean points to direction where tremaine has gone oh yes he told me his name was robinson oh but he's no relation wait i saw his arm by a subterfuge i managed to see his arm belinda her eyes opening more and more widely as she begins to realize you saw i saw the mole belinda coming down to him faintly as she holds out her own arm show me baxter very decorously indicating there belinda holds the place with her other hand and still looking at mr baxter slowly begins to laugh half laughter half tears wonderingly happily contentedly belinda moving to right of table and sitting <laughs> and i didn't know baxter moving to back of table mrs tremaine i am delighted to have done this service for your niece belinda to herself of course he knew all the time baxter to the world 
Still more am I delighted to have gained the victory over Mr. Devonish in this enterprise. Eighteen years. But I ought to have known. Baxter at large. I shall not be accused of exaggerating when I say that the odds against such an enterprise were enormous. Eighteen years. And now I've eight whole hours to wait. Baxter triumphantly. It will be announced tonight. Mr. Devonish, I shall say, young fellow. He arranges his speech in his mind. Belinda nodding to herself mischievously. So I was right after all. Slowly and triumphantly. He does look better without a beard. Baxter with his hand on the back of the chair, on the left side of the table. Mr. Devonish, young fellow, when you matched yourself against a man of my repute, when you matched yourself against a man, matched yourself against a man of my repute. Crossing towards fireplace. Belinda rises stealthily, takes up her hat, and exits through the swing doors and through the garden upright. When you matched yourself against a man who has read papers, moving towards center table, at soirees of the Royal Statistical Society, looking round the room, he discovers that he is alone. He picks up his hat from the table and jams it down on his head. Unusual. He moves up towards the swing doors. Curtain. End of Act Two.